Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Mum and Mama podcast, brought to you by the lovely Golding Accountancy and Proudess. Proudess will change your life. I'm currently sitting in my living room and my youngest daughter is dancing around in front of me, trying to distract me from doing this introduction, which is very important. This week, I see, now I'm doing it every other week, can I say this week? I mean, I suppose it's easier, isn't it? I don't really know what else to say. But the amazing Claire Darnell came back to talk about how her life has changed since doing my podcast. If you haven't listened to her episode, her previous episodes, uh, actually, you don't really need to before you listen to this episode because this is like a standalone. But her previous two podcasts are amazing. So I would highly recommend you checking them out if you haven't already. But here she is now to tell us about how I changed her life. (laughs) I didn't really change her life, but, you know, her life has changed. But here you are. I hope you are good. And I'll see you in a bit. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Work. Yeah, something big that has changed is I'm I'm estranged from my mum now. Yes. Let's Which... just say hi, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> 
Diving in deep. Yeah, diving in deep. Yeah, so what, so obviously you came on, God, was it two years ago? Three years ago. I actually can't remember, but it, I do remember it being seismically shifting, like it was quite healing. Yeah. The whole experience of being invited and being open about the things that I've shared about. Yeah. And then the, the result of coming on for me was like, whoa, like allowing myself to be vulnerable yeah, and share about the things that I did, um, like with the rape and stuff. And then the most magical things happened on the back of it, like old school friends getting in touch and saying, I'm really sorry I wasn't there for you. And if there's anything I can do and rap sister getting in touch with me and saying I had no idea about your addiction and about these things and things make sense now and us sort of building a deeper connection as a result and it felt really really healing and good yeah. um you know in spite of the fact that rap and I separated that that was there and and I think also that she could see how much love there is yeah. still f- between rap and I you know yeah. from myself towards rap and I think she really appreciated that and yeah it was a really healing experience yeah. That's amazing, because I remember you did get in touch, I don't know how long ago after it was, like, I have no idea about time. Yeah, times, I'm a little bit like that. But it was like, it really changed something for you, yeah. or a lot of things for you, and I was like, that's so lovely to, because mm. I just do this because I really enjoy it, you know, yeah. but to find out that then you really got something yeah. amazing out of it, that's just... That's brilliant. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And I think that is always the case, really. Like, if we're willing to be vulnerable and open, there's always, there's growth, right? Mm. There's growth in that opening. So So what's happened with your mum? Yeah, so my mum and I, I have no idea. Okay. Yeah, I know my ex did, rap. Yeah. He said he listened to parts of it. (laughs) Listened to it. Um, And he thought it was kind of, oh. Interesting. I think he was quite interested in what I'd said about him. Yes. Maybe he was looking if I'd been a bit mean. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know, I hadn't, and he appreciated yeah. that I hadn't. And, uh, I've got nothing bad to say about him. He's a lovely, lovely human. Um, but, yeah, with my mum, I mean, it's it's quite interesting, because at the time I remember reflecting on... I'd obviously listened to it back, right? So yeah. I listened to it back, and it was fascinating to sort of hear myself in flow speaking about my life. And one of the things that I reflected on was, oh, you didn't touch on any of the things in your relationship with your mum that actually were less than happy. So a large part of my childhood was actually quite difficult, you know, and in part because of some of, you know, my mum's mental health issues or, you know, the amount of responsibility that I was given as a child um, and, you know, because of our socioeconomic status, like mum was a single parent. Yeah. She was really struggling to make things, you know, work. And, yeah, like like all families, there's always fallout, right? Yeah. So, you know, there was often periods where she would just check out and not be emotionally available for us, um, man, you know, quite manically depressed, Um yeah, quite depressed. Um, yeah, very absent. Even if she was present, quite absent. And violent. Violent. That's that's the word. Yeah. yeah. Like, lot, very handsy, very smacky, violent. Shouty, aggressive. Was yeah. that with all of you? 
Yeah. Yeah. And that is an interesting point that you ask because it can be just as harmful, I've realised, witnessing it as it is when it's happening to you. Yeah, yeah. Because being the eldest, yeah, I sort of took responsibility for my sisters, like the little mother. What's the age difference between Three them? years. Three years and three years. Okay. So, yeah, well, I'm about to turn 50. I've got a middle sister who's, what, 47 and, yeah... Kate's 44, I think, now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, I took on a lot of responsibility, literally. You know, getting them up, getting them ready for school, taking them to school, feeding them, doing things for them, you know, like, as a child. Because mum was ambitious. Like, a lot of the things that I spoke about that were really positive, yeah. they really, they still stand. She was, you know, she wanted to do better for herself. She was driven. She wanted to go to school again. She wanted to get qualified she wanted to be a nurse you know all of these things and actually a lot of shitty luck things happened like she put her back out when she was nursing and that sort of halted her nursing career then she got back at it and it was like you know became a sign language interpreter her her brother died you know like these big life yeah. impacts kind of came along and took the wind out from ourselves but also in the midst of that she had three children and we were along on that ride as well and it was you know it was tough yeah. At times. Mm. Yeah. How did we get onto that? Oh, that was just, I, I was saying. That, yeah. Yeah, that I'd become estranged from her. So yeah. that kind of happened. But how did you, in that instance, yeah. did you just, I mean, because when you're a kid, you know what you know, don't you? You just kind of get don't on know, with different, it. It's not yeah. like you had a different experience and then. Yeah, like you're not like, oh, I've lost this amazing yeah. life. You're just like, oh, this is my life. But did you, were you all right? Were you happy with. Did you kind of just get on with it no. or did you... No, I wasn't a happy child. Yeah. Like, I realised there was always, like, I felt like something wasn't right. I was quite sensitive Yeah. as a child. I used to cry a lot. Um, I was a really sensitive being and um, I don't think there was really any room for my emotions, for my sensitivity. I think, if anything, it was... Yeah, I remember feeling, I remember being told, oh, do you need a little cry and you'll feel better? But it didn't feel loving. Yeah. That space being offered. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, Was she not very maternal? Mm, probably not. Yeah, I don't think that maternal would be the first yeah. word. And my relationship with her has been challenging. As I've moved into adulthood, it has been yeah. challenging. We've had periods of estrangement. And this is another one that we're in. And very often these periods of estrangement come from her decision yeah. to remove me from her life. And they're painful. They're really painful because yeah. ultimately you've still got this inner child yeah. that's being rejected again. And it doesn't get easier each time, but it does get different. Yeah. And what's happened this time, uh, so about a year and a half ago, we had a falling out over something absolutely nonsensical. Um, felt like she'd picked an argument with me and I couldn't win. And in spite of trying to placate, this, placate the situation, um, yeah, like I dropped her home. We were in the car while this was happening and it was escalating and I was just saying, look, I just think we should just need to live and let live. Like, we don't yeah. need to fall out over this and... Dropped her home and then, like, 
next thing I knew, she just wasn't responding to any texts and I'd been cut off. <laughs> and it's literally been a year and a half. I In just... fact, it's June 22, so, yeah, it's been... Yeah. It's been over a year yeah. and a half. Now, we're approaching, yeah... 19 months. I suppose because you're in such a good place now yeah. with being a human. Yeah, <laughs> like humaning. When you, yeah. like in the past when people would act a certain way or whatever, you'd take things personally or mm. you'd, resp- you know, you kind of, you experience it differently, don't you? But when yeah. you're kind of a bit more level-headed about things, you can kind of observe other people's behaviour and really, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's like, you're a grown person. Mm. How can you not respond to a message from your mm. child? Whatever yeah. you thought. Like, you just have to be honest and have a conversation. Like, if you've really upset her, she needs mm. to say... To advocate Look, for you herself. You said this and it really upset me. Yeah. And then you'd be like, oh, right, sorry, Mum. <laughs> or, yeah. okay, well, I'm sorry. Or explain yourself or whatever. But just to just mm. blank you. Yeah. You just imagine what's going on mm. in her head. Do you know what I mean? I know. Like, and there's a part of me that knows that she must be really unwell, right? Yeah. And yeah. really not in a good place in order to behave in that way and to need that coping mechanism. But then there's also a part of me that knows that ultimately in this dynamic, she is the parent yeah. and she has a duty yes. to be the yeah. parent. And it's really interesting because I'm studying psychology. I'm in my foundation year of studying a four-year psychology degree or post-grad to be a psychologist, right? Brilliant. Mm. And one of my, it came up, this kind of thing came up that I'm moving through because we have to do triad work and we're moving yeah. through therapeutic settings, if that makes sense. And interestingly enough, I'm studying transactional analysis, which is all about parent, adult, child. No mistake there, obviously. Yeah. It's like, obviously I've lived it. I want to know why. Um, but one of my peers said oh, that's a form of emotional abuse. And I'd never really looked at it like that. But that, that removing herself from my life is a form of emotional abuse. And, and, you know, not to get it twisted, yeah, I've done a lot of work on myself. And when this happened, I was able to, you know, hold my boundary in the discussion. I think partially that's where some of the problem has really stemmed from, is that I didn't back down and I yeah. didn't blow up. I just was like, we don't need to do this. Yeah. So I didn't play into the dynamic. I was very firm. And actually, it's like, um, what's happened? what happened immediately after when she cut me off was a pure inner child response. I just kept reaching out and reaching out and reaching out and looking for her to connect with me. And it was one of my mentors and coaches that I was working with, Bella, who I think we spoke about in the last yeah. podcast. I, you know, she just said, Claire, this, you need to stop now. You know, you need to stop making that connection because what was happening is the messages were going one way and they were being left read. Yeah. So... And what what Bella helped me to see was that there's an emotional need being met in the other person because they're receiving the affirmation that that you want them. Yeah. But actually what it's doing is it's causing further and deeper wounding to me because I'm being continually taking myself to a place of harm and being rejected. Yeah. So I decided after two weeks of trying to contact to just respond, like to reflect. And that's... How it's been. I think I got a Christmas card and that felt affected. It didn't feel it didn't feel genuine. There was no bid for 
genuine connection. It was just a Christmas card, Happy Christmas, Claire. And then I got a birthday card and it was Happy Christmas, Love Mum. And it didn't feel, given what had happened, yeah. it didn't feel proportionate or appropriate. Yeah. And that, and I haven't reciprocated since. Yeah. I did actually bump into her last week by accident in the dentist. <laughs> her and my sister, who I'm estranged from, and that was difficult. Very difficult. It oh really hurt me. God, I bet. It what? really hurt. And it sent me into a whole process for oh. about four days. But it's all right. It, it was needed. Yeah. It kind of showed me what where I'm at. Um, I was really able to notice my nervous system and how it responded physically. Yeah. I could feel every synapse going off oh. in my body. <laughs> I could feel oh. how I was regulating myself in what was actually a really difficult situation anyway because my daughter had chipped her front tooth. Oh, no. Um, was really upset and distressed yeah. and as we walk in and then I'm confronted with this situation with my sister and my mum and it was like oh shit <sighs> unexpected and um yeah and, and I I I was able to the what receptionist happened? I had to advocate for myself and say I can't be in this space it was a tiny waiting room and it was yeah. like a tiny arena every seat was taken <laughs> and then there's this woman who I haven't really seen for five plus years in my sister one of my sisters and then my mum, who I've not spoken to in a year and a half, and I just thought, I can't, I can't enter into this weird dynamic. Yeah. I just don't have it in me. And also, my sister had said something to me that I found highly offensive about my appearance. And the immediate thing that she'd said was like, what have you done to your nose? I'd had an operation on my nose, and she commented, what the fuck have you, you know, what have you done to your fucking nose? And I was like... I didn't ask for your opinion on yeah. my appearance. And it was, you know, it was... But, she, you know, she just kept pushing on your sister, I can ask you. And I just thought, I just put a boundary in and said, you can't, and no, I won't entertain this. So it was immediately aggressive again, and I had to shut it down. So it was a lot. But I'm, I'm kind of, Did you know... Did you say anything to you? No, Mum didn't say a word. Mm. Oh. So we were... The receptionist actually said to my daughter and I to go out for half an hour. The, the dentist was too busy to see us. So we went out and then we came back and we sort of came face to face again with them. But yeah, it, it, my mum didn't engage with me and my sister was just aggressive again. And... Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but this is what happens, right? Family estrangements, these yeah, things. Yeah. And mm, it was really interesting because that evening, what I noticed was I went into a proper process. Yeah. And But what I was able to do is I really used a lot of the things that I teach other people. You know, what I wanted to do was collapse into this little wounded inner child and say, Mommy doesn't love me. Yeah, and I wanted yeah. to reach out and I wanted people to kind of reassure me but no one was available that it was one of those days it was like a Thursday night everyone was busy and I had to sit with myself you know I had one phone call with my sponsor from NA who I'm, I'm not really actively working the steps with her anymore but she's still my sponsor right? yeah. and she knows all my shit right she knows all the skeletons buried so she gave me a call at about nine and like she, it was just good to be like yeah that's a lot I needed someone to say that is a lot yeah because I have a tendency to minimise. Yeah. Yeah, I have a tendency to minimise my emotional responses. 
obviously, given the environment that I was brought up in, yeah. it wasn't safe for me to take up space emotionally. So my coping mechanism was to minimise my own experience of what it is to feel emotional or triggered or a- activated. And and so, yeah, I really, I really was just left with me and my feelings and I had to sit in it and I had to experience what it feels like to to be in a living grief process. Yeah. That is yeah. what I'm going through. It's a grieving process of somebody who's alive, more than one person, in fact, and then also... Grieving what I never had. Yeah. That I wish I had. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what happened with mum. That is a lot. And I really hope and pray that it could be better, but it can't just come from me. Yeah. It can't. And I suppose that's that's the hard thing, isn't it? Is she needs to realise that her part in it. We need to have a conversation as two adult women. Yeah. That's what needs to happen and yeah. um, not, you know, one of us in our parent, which often the dynamic it would feel like there was a role reversal where I'd be in the parent role and she'd be in the child. Yeah. Um, and not with me in the child and her in the parent, but with two of us as adults meeting each other and yeah. saying, do we want to fix this? What I, what I longed for and what's hurt me the most in the last week is that there hasn't been any contact since not a text saying that was really weird seeing you and not speaking to you or from her to me you know I would have really appreciated that would have meant a lot I think you know like there's a part of me that knows better in a way and I don't mean that in a I'm elevating myself and I'm superhuman what I mean is there's a part of me because of the work that I do I know that I can I am capable of rising above this and reaching out seeing my part in it but it does have to be reciprocal it does have to be a two-way dynamic and it's like my therapist said there is always going to be a dynamic here where you are the child and in this dynamic she is the parent and she has to take parental responsibility and so yeah it's I want reconnection but it, it's never going to be the same again as it was yeah. before. And it shouldn't be the same as well because it was not healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And you changed, haven't you? Oh, I've changed Sorry. so much. Yeah, changed so much. And I feel like, actually, this estrangement was such a catalyst Yeah. for change. Um, in the most bizarre ways as well. You know, like... Yeah. I'm almost embarrassed to talk about this, but I might as well be open about it, right? Yeah. I went and got a rhinoplasty, you know? I went and got a nose job. Yeah. Yeah? And that, that I can look back now and I can see it's almost, there was almost a knee-jerk reaction in there. Like, it was very impulsive. Um, it looks very nice. Thank I you. Don't know, I didn't know that you don't. Yeah, so people okay. haven't really noticed, which yeah. is a good sign, right? It looks quite yeah. natural. Yeah. Um... But I had a bump on my nose and I didn't like the tip of my nose and I was like, I want to change it. But there was something that stopped me doing it and I'm not saying it was my mum, but there was always this voice in my head that was like, oh, you're rejecting the nose that I made for you. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah. And I think also this kind of wanting to separate myself emotionally from my mum and therefore removing familiarity in terms of my appearance. There was probably some deep psychological level some some of that going on 
And so, yeah, I went and had this fucking nose job, didn't I? And um, it was a whole fucking experience, you know, um, of making a decision that feels like it's not necessarily aligned with me spiritually. Yeah. You know, it it felt very vain, very surface level. I I worry, you know, I on some levels there's always this element within me of like this wounding of what will people think. Yeah. But I did it because I wanted to do it and yeah. it was something I'd wanted to do all of my life. Yeah. And I was like, if you don't do it now, you're never going to do yeah. it. Yeah. So I did it and actually I don't regret it. I've had some complications where my nose isn't quite uh symmetrical and there's a little bit of breathing difficulty on one side but it's not surprising because I was operating on a nose that used to belong to a cocaine addict (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't the easiest did they say anything about it when you went in yeah once they got in there they said that uh, I had calcification so a lot of my um, you have these kind of they look like trumpets, they're inside your nose. Yeah. That help you, uh, turbinators, that help you to um, breathe. So they were really inflamed, um, enlarged, and also the cartilage in my nose was like almost calcified like bone. Wow. Instead of being bendy. Okay. Yeah. So it was complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, what it's been... Oh, a year and a bit now, and yeah, no regrets. You know, it's it like lovely. I, I never, yeah. I did not. I mean, and this is the I'm... thing that my sister immediately said to me, obviously in the dentist surgery, when I bumped into her, and I was like, "Oh, that doesn't feel very kind." <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, no regrets. It feels. No, it's nice, and I, it's. Oh, I know what you mean about the vein thing with plastic surgery mm. or whatever, because you do feel like, why well, do it looks don't matter, do they? Yeah, you know, exactly. Be I'd right say to it. anyone that like, you don't yeah. have to do that. Yeah, exactly. But, but if then, you want to do it, yeah, it's your choice. Yeah. and if it does make you feel better about yeah. yourself, yeah, then sovereignty, right? Yeah. The one thing that I'm hell bent on is choice. Yeah, personal choice, and nobody else gets to make a decision for me and believe me I really poured over this decision yeah. you know it was like for many 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 years yeah and then when I made the decision yeah it felt like it was very impulsive but actually it had been going on for years yeah. inside yeah we know right what yeah. we want and what we don't want and yeah I don't know if I'd do it over again yeah you know um, how long was the recovery Oh, it's quick. It's quite quick considering okay. it's like three months or so looking like you've been in a fight. Yeah. You know, fat hooter. And you're thinking, oh, it looks really good today. And then you look back at pictures and you're like, oh my God, I look terrible at my friend's <laughs> wedding. Look like I've been in a fight. Um, but yeah, you know, we live and we learn. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no regrets now. Um, and But I feel like it really started, um, you know, that estrangement from my mum. It really started a course of different things coming in. So... Obviously, I've been working really hard on myself. Yes. For a number of years. Yeah. So it started with recovery 12 years ago. Um, and then, you know, that kind of moving through different spiritual pathways, Buddhism, and finding myself, getting work-life balance, different relationship, you know, issues, working through it all. 
yeah, I'm really just sort of discovering who I am and then working, moving more, you know, about four years or so into that sort of embodiment arena and working with different mentors and teachers who were really supporting me and meeting myself in my kind of feeling body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, understanding how to identify a feeling for a start, like, didn't know yeah I was in constantly used to be in all this kind of PTSD type responses of like coping mechanisms so actually being able to yeah discern between different flight or fight or fawn states is really big right learning how to set boundaries all of these things that I've learned from these coaches and mentors and I feel like what really happened in the last year or so is like a massive level up from that and so, uh, January 23, yeah, I'd sort of stopped working December 22, and I thought, things are going to change. Like, I absolutely have to make a significant change. Like, this is the year where I stop working full-time. You know, I think I spoke last time about yeah. I want to coach. Yeah. Like, I want to coach. I'm ready to coach. And everybody would be saying to me, you should be a coach. And I was like, oh, I was holding myself back, limiting myself. And uh, something switched. And I sort of worked my ass off in this project, um, you know, my project management role. And I just thought, yeah, I, I need to move differently in 23. And then this opportunity came up to join this incredible training that I'd, a lot of my teachers had moved through. Yeah. And bizarrely, it was happening in Glastonbury. So it's an international organisation and, yeah, like, they just don't do stuff in England, right? Yeah. They usually do stuff in Bali and Australia and they were here in Glastonbury and I was like, oh, look. And I, I said to my girlfriend, look, this is happening. She was like, well, you have to go yeah. because she knew how I adored this kind of methodology, this approach to embodiment and stuff and how I'd been following it. And I was going to Spain to see what my best friend, Bella, um, and her and her kids. And I was like, mm, maybe. And I just booked myself in for like a call to find out about it whilst I was in Spain. And then I cancelled the call while I was in Spain. <laughs> Have I told you this story? <laughs> about the witchy, weird experience that I no. had? No. Oh, my God. It's... Do you want to hear it? Do you yeah. want to hear it? So, I... Yeah, oh god, I don't know how much to tell. Fuck it, I'll tell you it all. <laughs> Fuck it, we can we can edit it, right? <laughs> so basically, I was in Spain, and then I I had this call scheduled, this discovery call, like this pre. The thing that I was trying to to get involved in was called an initiation. Yeah. And it was a week long, like intensive training, seven days, seven nights of intensive witchery, right? Yeah. Right up my alleyway. <laughs> but I booked myself in for the call and then something switched when I was out in Spain. Like the old script of like, oh no, you better not. Yeah, it kicked in yeah. and I, I went in the like the back back end and I just cancelled the call. Yeah. And I thought, brilliant, I've got away with it. Yeah. yeah no like rescheduling. And then I got a WhatsApp from the person who was going to do the call with me saying, oh, I see you've cancelled just to put it out there. No pressure, but if it was a bad time, I can reschedule or yeah. I'm flexible. And I thought, damn. <laughs> damn it. 
and they seemed really I don't know they just seemed really relate nice I don't know I felt safe enough to go back and say oh I'm not really sure you know like I yeah. don't want to yeah I don't want to lead you lead you on actually I'm not sure if I'm willing to commit to it and we got into a bit of a text dialogue and they said look you know no pressure but ultimately why don't we have a chat yeah um and I'd said you know maybe just not this one I'll do one later in the year and they said this is the only one that's going to happen in England this year yeah and I thought oh I spoke to my girlfriend and I said oh I, oh I don't know um I spoke to my girlfriend and she was like you just need to go Claire like or at least do what what are you yeah. you know anyway I rescheduled the call and I thought there's nothing to lose like I'll just do the call and see what happens um kind of hoping it would rule itself out you yeah. know I had one foot back out of the door, not not to proceed, proceed. And then something really mad happened. And I was in bed. I was in Spain, in this hotel up the road from where my friend lives. And I woke up at 0404. And I was like, oh, it's weird. Like, why am I waking up at 0404? And I, yeah, I kind of had this whole experience <laughs> of... Um, just all I could think about in my head was like this organization so it was like it was whispering to me can't explain it it was like so bizarrely like I went onto Instagram and I was just looking at their stuff um and I think actually I'd unfollowed them yeah way before like I'd seen their thing I'd only seen it through a friend of a friend who was actually following them this 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 initiation that was going on and I'd unfollowed them because it was pissing me off knowing I could never do their training yeah so anyway I went to their page and I was looking through their stuff and it was like every thing that I was looking at was speaking into my soul and what I needed anyway cut a long story short I kind of heard it speaking to me and then I was charged supercharged I was like I cannot get back to sleep and I need to sleep because I've got this call tomorrow with this person from this organization and so I couldn't sleep and uh (laughs) this might be (laughs) x-rated and so I was like oh I'm just gonna have to help myself get to sleep so you know I I masturbated yeah so and this was like the strangest experience that I've ever had because it wasn't like I hadn't self-pleasured in this way before. Like I hadn't, I hadn't self-pleasured in this way ever. Like it didn't feel like it was me. And it was so deeply sensuous and erotic and full of eros and sensitivity and love and compassion. And, and what happened was... Whilst I was in the act, I heard the th- a voice speak to me and it said, your desire is valid. And the voice came out of me. And it was so certain in this, like, your desire is valid. It took me aback. And I was like, what? You know, like, I thought, who is that? And it was like this eros spirit, something was speaking through me. And so... Obviously, I was a little bit freaked out, but I was like, okay, my desire is valid. And it was like an underlining of, yes, you do have permission to do this thing. Yeah. 
I was trying to say to my girlfriend the day before, no, because, you know, I'm in Spain now and I need to come home and I need to spend time with my daughter and blah, blah, blah. And she looked at the schedule of time between home and her dad's and, and she was like, there's two days that she's not going to see you because she's actually due at her dad's. Yeah. She's like, get real. Like, why are you trying to take this opportunity away from yourself? Yeah. So to hear the words, your desire is valid was like just the medicine I needed. And I wasn't going to say that to myself. Right. Yeah. So something moved through. So I had the call the next day and it was almost like instantly I just thought, oh, this is exactly what I fucking need. Um, so yeah, I ended up coming home for a couple of days, packed, and then went off to Glastonbury into this initiation. And it literally changed my life. It was like being reborn. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. My, nothing's been the same ever since. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. How many of you did it? Um, I think there were six or seven of us in the immersion, in the initiation. Yeah. And there were t- about three teachers. Yeah. One of whom is Melody Lubin, who's like still my teacher. Yeah. Now she's incredible. She, actually, she'd be a great person for you to speak to. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like from the moment I arrived, oh, oh my goodness, no, something else happened before I went. I had a dream. And I had this dream that I was arriving in the space um, of this teaching group. And as I was arriving, I was feeling really good. I was feeling really confident. I was feeling really capable, like I belonged there. Because one of the things actually that I'd said to my friend in Spain when I'd cancelled the call is, oh, no, 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 I'm not doing it. And she said, why not? And I said, oh, because, I don't know, I just kind of don't feel like I'm not cool enough you know, like to be doing that kind of thing. And she she looked at me and she's like, girl, do you know how intimidatingly cool you are? She said, you walk into a room and people think, I'm not cool. She said, so I don't know where you're getting that from. And she like really slapped me about the yeah. face with it, you know, and was like, get a grip. So that sort of seed had been planted and then this dream was me arriving and not feeling uncool, but actually feeling pretty cool. Feeling pretty balanced and like, I can just get along with everybody. And being welcomed and, yeah, like having a really good experience of arrival. And then there was just one woman um, who came into the dynamic in my dream. Who was super unfriendly and like really competitive with me. And I was like, still okay. Yeah. Yeah, like that was the, the theme. It was like, you know, in dreams, I often, when I try to interpret my dreams, I look for the, the undercurrent of the emotion, you yeah. know, or like what's really, as opposed to the lit, literal, it's like what's actually, what's the feeling I'm coming away with? And what I felt I was coming away with, with was a sense of okayness, like yeah. I'm enough, just as I am. Um. And yeah, so that was that was the dream. So the bizarre thing was when I arrived, it was almost a mirror of what I'd dreamt. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was insane, like literally arriving and moving into the shared space where people were getting their tea and, you know, like just settling to be welcomed. It was almost identical to what I'd dreamed. It's magical, really, when I replay it. Yeah. And what also is insane is... There was one woman 
in that initiation, her and I, we did not gel. She was the woman in the dream, yeah. you know, and and still I was okay. I came out of that okay, yeah. and I hope she did too. So yeah, it was fascinating. Um, so the whole thing felt very divine, you know. It felt very divinely aligned, like it was just meant to be. And from the very first night, um, when we joined, like the opening circle, and uh, and I went into my standard like script of oh, you know, I hate my body and I. I, I just feel like, and Melody, who, you know, shamaness, who's leading the circle, was like, no, we'll have none of that here. And she really invited me to step into my power. Yeah. You know, it was it was like in that one sentence, it was like, are you here to just stay where you were? Yeah. Or are you going to step the fuck into your power in this circle of witches? And something switched. It's something switched and it just changed everything. And that immersion, that initiation, it helped me to remember pieces of myself that I had deeply, deeply forgotten. And bring them back. And what it's felt like is just this, like, I've just been pulling on these threads of remembrance. Yeah. It's, it's not even whilst I've been taught things... It hasn't really felt like they're new. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, this is just what I did about 300 years ago and I'm just re-remembering. <laughs> <laughs> but we did some crazy witchy shit and I loved it. So obviously it was in Glastonbury. We, you know, we climbed to the Glastonbury tour and we, we had, an, you know, a circle up there where we were initiated into our priestesshood we had sex magic circles, we had temple nights, we had so much embodiment immersion, um, working with these beautiful archetypes of, you know, priestess and witch and wild woman and mother and lover and warrior, like all of the stuff that I now teach. And it was just this beautiful, like, yeah, working with these archetypes, I was like, oh, this is the piece that I've been waiting for. It was literally like a piece of the jigsaw just came along and was like, here, you're ready, take it. And so, yeah, being in circle with these incredible, incredible women and, you know, incredible teachers, teacher, um, yeah, going up to the top of the tour, literally howling like a wild animal and just being initiated into my priestesshood and realising... My witch is a little bit naughty, you know? She's fucking wild and she's playful and she's very dark feminine. And there are these pieces of me that I've really pushed away and rejected, like, all of my sexuality and all of these pieces that have emerged, you know, over the last few years. They just sort of came into their own. Um, And, you know, we did some crazy shit. Like, so we went to the White White Springs um, in Glastonbury and, yeah, we we stripped naked um, and we bathed in the springs. You know, we bathed in the well. Um, And it felt like I was being born again. I can't explain it. So, and this is open to the public at the time. And then we kind of walked in and we... We circled the well and we stripped our clothes off, circled the well and we're standing naked around the well. 
And then Melody looked at me and she said, are you going in? And I said, yeah. And I just stepped in. And it was like, as we walked in, and I don't know if you've been to the, to no. the, to the springs in Glastonbury, but they're ancient and they are magical. As you walk on the stones, the flagstones, you can feel people who have walked before you. It's, it's incredible. Like there's, you know, there, there's magical water just sort of slipping down the, the walls and the moss. And um, yeah, it's indescribable what, what, what you feel. I can't, it's like you just start to embody the spirit of so many who've walked before you, so many priestesses, women, witches, healers, um, shamans, you know, and and then as we circled that well, and then, you know, one of the women, she was playing this beautiful singing, singing bowl, and they were just channeling incredible, like, light language and singing, and I slipped into that water, and I, I remember I slipped my head under, and as I came up, I just have never felt so much joy in my entire life. It was like everything that was limiting me was washed away. And I just came up and I laughed. And I just was like, oh, I'm here. <laughs> and, you know, I just sort of bubbled about a little bit in my little fishy kind of element. And then I stepped out and we just, we stood and we, we witnessed one another doing the same. And it was the most magical experience. And what was actually really beautiful is seeing members of the public just being there, watching this initiation occurring with reverence yeah. for the goddesses that we were, well, that we are. Yeah. No judgment, no tut-tut, no lewd, lascivious yeah. objectification. It was purely magical. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was incredible, yeah. So that, I think, for me, was a huge part of me stepping up and into my power. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So what did you do when... <laughs> I mean, where'd you go from there? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't over at that point. I think we had another... We had another uh, experience where... Um, yeah, in like a meditation, I had this whole experience of I guess what it was was lucid dreaming and potentially astral travel I'm not sure but um because this is something really powerful about a coven of witches right so when you join in circle together you create a vortex of power so this whole spiral had been set up for the week and we were journeying together night after night day after day and so yeah, the magic is more potent as a result of that because we're almost together and separately journeying through these experiences. And so I had this kind of astral travel experience where I journeyed and I was in my meditation, in my visual, I was flying. I was flying above this beautiful green land and it looked Celtic and I sort of came down and I was in this castle wall and I could see moss and greystone and... And then before I knew it, I was in this other scene where I was looking out from something and I could see these faces coming into my line of vision, these black faces, like black people, um, smiling at me. 
one after the other, screen left, screen right, enter left, enter right, like they were overjoyed to see me. And it was almost like I was a baby in a crib. This is the thing that came up. It's like, I'm a baby in a crib and these people were visiting me and they are overjoyed at my arrival. And what was so interesting about this <laughs> was I then found out a little more about my heritage. So through my uncle, I then found out that my family lineage goes back to Sudan. So I found out that my great-great-grandfather was Sudanese. Um, he was a slave, he was kidnapped from Sudan and put into indentured slavery and ended up working for a Turkish Cypriot gentleman his whole life and, yeah, married a Turkish woman and then had my great-grandfather and then my grandfather, who's my mum's father, the yeah. Lothario, who had 20-odd kids um, God, yeah, yeah. Um, was also, yeah, Sudanese and Turkish so... What I realise is that these were my these were my ancestors and they were seeing me. They were yeah. welcoming me back. And what's been happening since then is this beautiful connection with my ancestors who are saying, Bring the medicine now, it's time. Like and I've worked with them, um and said like, yeah, I've I've been guided with a beautiful Egyptian priestess that I've been working with with sound energy and healing and oils and and also I've worked with, um, yeah, alone, ancestrally, with my altar and with my practices, inviting in, yeah, more connection with my ancestors to say, do I have your permission to bring this medicine through? And they're like, yeah, what have you been waiting for? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> and so a lot of the time when I'm working with women now, I'm feeling really held and supported by that ancestral kind of lineage and whatever those gifts are, I'm just kind of, it's not really me, I'm just channeling whatever they had to give. Yeah. 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 And that story that I share about the village and the being welcomed and like the crib was something that was almost mirrored by the Egyptian priestess when we journeyed together in a sound healing and she shared, like, the same image of these, not the exact thing, but yeah. the same people being loving to me in this village setting. So it was kind of, it just all the beautiful little pieces have all just kind of come together to form what's going on today. Well, so which is being a witch, yeah. basically. <laughs> so when you came back from Glastonbury, mm. how did you go about... Because you, you, were you already coaching? People? Yes and no. So I was doing it, but more so in. I was doing it more so in the setting of my recovery. Yeah. So I was sponsoring quite a few women, um, which, you know, working through the structure of the twelve steps, and then yeah, being a confidant and a, somebody who supports people, you yeah. know, but not, not as a career path. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I came out of there effectively with a qualification, right? Yeah. On a modality. Yeah. Feminine frequency formula, an embodiment modality. Um, and I kept training. So I just stayed in their training, um, did more, was diving deeper and deeper, like almost re-integrating. That's what I would call it. Integrating more of the learnings. And 
I actually went deeper with Melody, the key individual that really I'd really connected with in that training. I made a commitment to myself. So I think actually what I didn't mention is after I'd skinny dipped in, you know, the White Wells and come out reborn, we came out of there and we joined in a circle, us witches, and we were asked, what's the word for 23? And I said, yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the word is yes. Yeah. Yes. And it was like such a permission slip yeah. to just keep growing and just keep trying new things and keep saying yes. And really that was my mantra for the whole year. I just kept saying yes to the opportunities that came my way. Yes to the opportunities to learn new skills. Yes to clients asking, can we work together? Yes to everything. And what what has happened as a result of that is with that trust and that faith of saying yes, everything has flowed. I think when we start to say no, we block the flow, right? Yeah. So my, my belief is there's divinity moving through all of us. There's a natural gift element of, yeah, higher power, higher purpose, moving through all of us all of the time. And we allow ourselves to be limited because we're frightened of what it is to hold that power, to have that power to move through us. When we start to say yes, we start to build trust, we open. Actually, what I've learned from one of my lovely teachers is it's not me doing anything. I've just got to move myself out of the way, be almost like become a hollow bone to just allow things to channel through. And it will be channeled through with my essence because it's yeah. coming through my human body with my human experiences. And that's what makes my medicine right for some people and not for others. But there's a healer in all of us. You know, we all have a story to tell. We all have medicine that we embody. We all have so much value to bring into yeah. the world, to share with others. Um, and unfortunately, a lot like I was for so many years, the thing that stops us doing it is worrying about what people are going to think yeah. <laughs> and what people yeah. are going to say to you. Yeah. And then you're, he's criminal because you're yeah. hiding your magic. Yeah. You are hiding your magic. So yeah, so I came out of Glastonbury quite renewed, really heavily committed to doing the work and just staying with my practice, staying with me. Really, yeah. when I say staying with my practice, what that means is I am committed to feeling everything and opening to every experience and staying with myself. You know, and what, what that does and what that has done for me, fast forward to that incident in the <laughs> dental surgery a week yeah. ago, yeah. I can feel everything and I can respond in a way that's safe, Yeah, keeps me safe, keeps me well and doesn't negate my autonomy my power and doesn't make me regret anything yeah i'm sovereign you know and i'm i'm embodying my truth yeah it feels really good yeah yeah and i love what i do so last night i had a women's circle yeah um yeah and yeah, it kind of is what it is, right? And there's a, there's always that little human part of me that is like, oh, 
was it good enough? And then there's the part of me is it is what it it was what it needed yeah. to be. It yeah. wasn't me. Yeah. Um, last night we journeyed with the divine masculine, um, and you know I wanted to sort of share with the women the frequency of how the masculine feels in your body and the you know the aspects of the masculine being great boundary setting, security, stability, holding, knowingness, discernment, all of these beautiful values that a healthy masculine, when you embody it, can bring into your life. And then there's the shadow, right? And the shadow is criticism. And so it's no surprise that I'm embodying this thing and here I am criticising myself, yeah? yeah? yeah, So what I love about this particular medicine and working with it is as I'm supporting others and they're moving through it with me i'm meeting more and more of myself it's like continuous shadow work yeah continuous so yeah it's just never a dull moment like it feels like a true calling yeah 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 and the archetypal work has moved more fluidly now it's sort of it, you, it it was at the beginning it was important it was like okay I'm going to practice with this archetype and this these are the aspects and this is the energy center and this is how I do this and now it's so much more fluid now it's like okay like I have a pussy and it's the seat of my power and I have eros and how do I channel that eros through my body how do I pull this creative energy this portal energy that I have in my body all the way through and you know use my breath use sound you know a thing that most women well humans we don't use sound so like it's so out there right I remember working with Bella four years ago and she'd say breathe in and breathe out and release some sound crucified me (laughs) the thought of going you know like I remember being so restricted in my throat yeah and now I'm like ah you know it's like give and I see it with the women or I hear it with the women that I'm working with where they're holding back and then when they start to open and they allow themselves to just take up space yeah and so yeah working with that eros and being able to run it up and down the body and like play with a frequency and open and what's beautiful about the archetypes is they give us opportunity to play they're really playful like playing with a seductress and how magnetic she is and playing with the dark feminine and how powerful she can be and yeah the mother and how benevolent and loving and open she is and her shadow of over giving and martyrdom and like being able to see so clearly these frequencies is so so powerful so yeah my training was ongoing all through the year um, and I feel like at the moment I'm still training, but I, and I think I'll forever be a student, Yeah. but I'm in this process of integration. I can feel it. I've been through this kind of a mini dark night of the soul. And have you ever seen that meme where the raccoon comes out of the <laughs> trash thing? And it's, ah, oh. I, f- I felt like that in the last week or so where I'm like, I'm back bitches. <laughs> So yeah, it's been a lot and I think it came from like a crescendo of so much training last year, so much service to the feminine, so many clients Um, and I kind of got to December and it was like, whoa, I need to just take some time here and I went into the descent of winter down into the body 
ate loads of shit food, <laughs> switched off from mind body man, you know, like literally almost went into a collapse. Yeah. She's very wild woman, you know, like she's very like <laughs> just into the shit and the piss and the stink and the yeah. earth, you know. And I descended in there and I've been like cooking in there. Like I can feel in there is like a hotbed of new stuff that's coming through. Yeah. I'm really excited because I'm about to birth a really beautiful offering. I can feel it and it's going to be pulling together sort of embodiment and recovery, you know, like for people who are recovery curious or recovery old timers, yeah. whatever you happen to be, but a space where spiritually you can be who you are because there's no space for people who are into the esoteric, into the more witchy elements. Like, so if you're like a starseed, a witch, a wizard... If you believe in, you know, you're an alien, you're welcome in this space. Yeah. Like, come and bring your magic and let's learn how to be in our bodies. Let's use, you know, breath, sound, movement, touch. Let's just be with ourselves. So I can feel, yeah, this thread is currently weaving and I'm not sure where it's going, but I'm excited. I'm excited to see what it's going to be. I'm as it, Yeah, <laughs> as it comes through the other side. Because yeah. um, I, I do believe passionately that recovery... Yeah. Or addiction, whether it be to food, sex, shopping, money, gambling, drugs, alcohol. I mean, God, I've been addicted to so many random things. Exercise, yeah. yeah? Um, whatever your vice is, there is a different way. Yeah. And the piece that I feel is missing... I think 12-step fellowship is incredible, especially when you're a chronic addict and you have no stability and structure in your life. And the piece that I feel is missing is the embodiment. Yeah. It's, it's in our heads, a lot of the work we're doing, a lot of the work in our heads, and we need to release what's going on in the body. Yeah. Because these traumatic experiences that we have, we store them in our bodies. Yeah. And so the biggest amount of healing for me has been when I've, allowed my body to release what's true yeah allowed myself to feel the pain and let it go from the body you can't think your way out of these traumas yeah yeah, yeah. my counsellor always used to say whenever we were talking be like where do you feel it how do you feel like mm. sit in your body and feel yeah. it yeah yeah it's so true. So true. So true. And it's a fine balance, right? So this is one of the reasons I'm studying psychology is I think for me, I understand as a deeply traumatized person who didn't think they were traumatized, there was a layer that I needed of safety through the mind. Yeah. Um, I wasn't willing to go into the body. I didn't know I needed to go into the body initially. So, you know, many moons ago, when I started my therapy journey again, early recovery, I was seeking safety and trying to make sense of things. And so the reason I'm really interested in doing the psychology is because I think that there's actually somewhere in the middle where the psychology and the body can be brought together. So yeah. it's like, if I want to do that, I need to study the psychology, right? Yeah. I need to be qualified and already I can see with a specific type of psychotherapy that I'm studying I can see how embodied it is yeah I can I can see we're, we're talking about ancestrally these patterns of trauma that are passed to you yeah. you know in terms of your scripts stories behaviors it's so aligned 
And honestly, I don't even know how I ended up on this course. It was almost like bizarre, it, accidental. Yeah. Um, and it happened in days. And I was like, okay, trust it. Say yeah. yes. 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 You know, and this was yeah. last October. It was still the year of yes. Yeah. So I said yes, and here we are. Um, and I do believe that there's so much magic there because being able to allow people to feel that safety so that they can drop in and under that yeah. story that feeling that you know the label that they've given themselves of their defectiveness or whatever they think they are I think it's just going to be so magical yeah mm. that's amazing yeah I'm really so excited so are you still taking on clients mm, absolutely yeah. yeah so yeah I currently work with people one-to-one -one. I have my circle once a month and then I have I call them containers um I have different containers or, you know, whether they be three months or... Yeah. Yeah. I did... I love working with women long-term mentorship because the work is slow. Yeah. We can't... You can't change things. You can change things overnight and you can't change things yeah, overnight. Yeah, yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, what I see is when women commit to this work... The changes are incredible. So one of the women that I'm working with long term at the moment, chronic health conditions, yeah, crippling pain. <sighs> She's just transforming herself. And I'm not doing anything here. All I'm sharing is my understanding of what I've experienced. Yeah. My journey, um, you know, I'm teaching her about the aspects and the shadows of different archetypes. I'm helping her to be more familiar with her power and where to find it in her body. And she's remembering. And she's just remembering and she's just remembering and just seeing her step into her power. I mean, she, last night, she priestessed for me. So, that, like, she supported me. She was, I, I couldn't do it without her. She is regal in that role. And just seeing this, woman who initially came to me and was like oh, mm, apologetic and almost like pedestalling me yeah. to actually realizing she's she's epic she's just as strong just as powerful just as valid as I am and what happens is when we start to do this work more of the magical kind of essence of each of us can come through so I always say to people, don't let people tell you that what you're experiencing isn't magical. Yeah. You know, like, you, we're all born with these incredible psychic abilities. But <laughs> the world doesn't want, you know, the powers that be. They don't want us to know how powerful we are. Yeah. Whether you be male, female, whatever you are, non-gender conforming, whatever you are, you have these inherent powers and all you've got to do is invite, invite them back, invite them to open, invite them to switch on. And, you know, whether it be like a clairsentience, like you can feel people, whether it's clairvoyance and you can actually sort of see the future, you know, whatever your power is, clairaudience, you might hear voices. When you get still enough and you're quiet enough, you will feel these powers come through and they'll show up for you maybe in the way that you dream. Yeah. Maybe you can just see where somebody's issue is and you can speak to it and you can just help them find a way through, you know? 
Um, and I feel like we all have these incredible magic powers and we need to support each other in being reconnected to them because where this world is at is insane. Yeah. And we can't stay where we are. Yeah, yeah. We've got to rise now. It's time. Yeah. And I don't mean like in a spiritual bypassy way, but it's time. Yeah. To allow everyone to find their magic. And to rejoice in that magic. There's so much joy in this space. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of the time, the shadow work, you know, people are like, oh, shadow work, what is that? One of my friends calls me the shadow doula. <laughs> because I birth people's shadows through. I'm like, come on, let's, yes, breathe deeply, breathe. Come on, let's go. Um, but, you know, it's a real compliment to be called that because... Yeah, like to be able to support people in really meeting themselves. Yeah. Their truth. Yeah. Why would you want to run away from your truth? Because when you see yourself clearly, like you're holding up a mirror and you're like, yeah, I see myself. And then we, you've got choice, right? You're like, do I like this piece of myself? Do I want to retain this piece of myself? Or, <laughs> or do I want to, you know, do I want to change something? Um... And yeah, I I want choices in my life. I like to have a choice of which way I want to go. Yeah. I like to feel like I have some connection to this power that's leading me through my life. And a lot of the time I'm surrendering to it, right? That's the power, is in the yeah. surrender. But I still want to participate. Thank <laughs> <laughs> oh, you so much. You're so welcome. I yeah. just love it. I just haven't stopped talking, have I? <laughs> no, but I love it. I just could listen to you all day. Oh, Amy, I'm so good, And I just love it so much. And you're so right. Like, things do need to drastically change. I mean, I feel like we're just getting pushed further and further and further. Yeah. Just so they can just see how far, how much we'll actually take. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> before we just roll over It's and a big die, experiment. Or Stand up and say, actually, enough is no. enough. And I see that. I see a lot of really amazing, amazing humans who are standing up and saying, enough. Yeah. No more. Yeah. Cat's having a wash now. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll obviously share links and everything for how people can get in touch with you. I'd love that. Thank you. And thank you so much for coming <laughs> back. Yay! Yay! Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So that was the lovely Claire. It was so lovely when she messaged me. I don't. I think it must have been about a year after we did the podcast, and she just sent me a message to tell me about how what an impact it had had. It was one of the nicest things that has ever happened to me. Only because obviously I just do this because I really like talking to people. But to know that someone had a had a really positive life changing outcome um, from obviously not talking to me, but having the experience with me I mean I'm not taking credit for her life changing do you know what I mean but it was nice that I was part of that for her um because it's nice to know that you affect people in a positive way so if you feel like you've got something that you'd like to talk about with me then get in touch with me I've got um I'll talk to anyone <laughs> um and that, I know you can't mouth things to me. Sorry, my daughter's still standing here. Um, but 
if you want to talk to Claire about anything that she's spoken about, obviously it's, you know, it's very different to maybe normal, normal conversations you're used to listening to, then get in touch with her. She's such an amazing person. I have so much time and respect for Claire. And I love listening about all that stuff. I love it. Um, so, yeah, get in touch with her. I will share links to her. And I hope you're good. I hope you're good. I hope you've made it through January. I quite like January. It's my birthday month, so... And since I've started microdosing, I'm really all right, you know. If you want to know about that, listen to my episodes with Naomi about microdosing because it is, yeah, it's good. Um, but yeah, I hope you're good. Stay safe, stay sane, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks with another fascinating podcast. Big love. Bye. 